coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce. And that's the amazing thing. When, when you get clear on your purpose, you don't have to achieve your purpose to be fulfilled. You know, a purpose is different than a goal. A goal, you're not going to be fulfilled until you actually achieve it. Right, right. So you spend 99% of your time trying to achieve this goal for the 1% fulfillment that you're going to feel at the very end if you actually achieve your goal. And so it's kind of a miserable process a lot of the time because yeah, you're going sure. through, you're suffering and you're struggling versus a purpose. It's like, I have this purpose that I might never live into because it's huge. It's massive. Lead a revolution that changes the world. Come on. But every single day I'm taking one step closer, one step closer. So I feel this massive level of fulfillment. And it's one of the best feelings to feel like nothing is missing. Yeah. And so anyone, you know, who's really struggling with, with that emptiness or that unfulfillment or feeling unsatisfied, those are the pe people that I can really help the most. Because when you find your purpose, fulfillment is just a way of being. You wake up fulfilled. And it's such a beautiful it. experience. Welcome to the show. I'm Matt Shields. On Pass the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills, and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce. Up next on Pass the Secret Sauce, we have Chris Rickstrew, who is the founder of 8 Billion Lions. So Chris has a huge aspiration of leading basically humanity to live up to their purpose, live up to their potential. The 8 Billion Lions is referring to basically humanity and allowing everyone to understand what it is that they were meant to do. So Chris tells his story about you know his upbringing and, and hardships that he experienced there and how he learned how to sell very, very early on and, and how he parlayed that into a very, very successful company, which if you remember uh, Techstars, which was one of the early, I guess you could call them like incubator type programs, it was huge to be able to get into Techstars. And Chris was one of the, Chris's company was one of the few that actually got accepted uh, into that program. So uh, at the height of his career, he did some self-reflection and, and realized that he was not happy and he was not fulfilled. So he deconstructed all of that and, and we get into you know what he did. He, he basically completely changed his life and went on a, a journey to be able to find what would truly inspire him and make him happy. And he's come out of that with a fantastic program that is is helping to change people's lives and making them realize, again, what it is that they were put here to do. And he helps guide people in that direction. So if you're on the verge of a major life change, you know, you're starting to, you're, you're, you're starting to think about, you know, creating a business or maybe you're moving to the other side of the world or, you know, making some big change in your life. This is an episode that you're not going to want to miss. 
this is that he offers a lot of advice on how to make sure that you're on the right path, making sure that you're going to feel fulfilled uh, at the end of that. And uh, yeah, this is this is a, a great inspirational story. So I hope you enjoy today's episode of Pass the Secret Sauce. So I had two different dinner tables because when I was eight years old, my grandparents took custody of me. So when I was living with my parents, the dinner table was always me and my grandma sitting at the dinner table in the kitchen and my mom and my dad sitting out in the living room on the couch watching TV. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what it was, but ever since I was a little kid, I always loved eating dinner at a dinner table. And so it would be me and my grandma and we would sit there and eat dinner together every night. And my parents would be out in the living room, like doing their thing. And, but my parents struggled with, with alcohol. And so when I was eight years old, my grandparents took custody of me and the dinner there, it was so interesting because, you know, my grandma would make this amazing dinner every night. My grandpa would come home from work and they would sit at the dinner table for hours, just talking. The Mm -hmm. TV wasn't on. They would just sit there for hours talking. And, you know, I remember I'd sit there and I'd eat dinner with them and they'd cut up, you know, my little pieces of steak into perfect little squares. And then I could like, you know, play under the table while they're eating. And it was this amazing experience where I feel like that's where I learned what a true, a truly good relationship should look like. Yeah. It sounds like the, forever. Yeah. It sounds like the the connection that they had must have been really amazing where they, you know, yeah, that, that, that's amazing. That's really, really cool. So were you entrepreneurial growing up at all? Did you, did you sell candy or were you that guy, you know, doing those types of things or I was going to say that's exactly what I did. So my, my first real sales experience was I was in uh, sixth grade and uh, remember warhead candies, those like super sour candies. So they used to have suckers. And so my grandma would go to Sam's club and she'd buy a huge tub of them, like a hundred of them or 200 of them for like 10 bucks. And she'd bring it home and I'd fill my backpack with them. And in all my classes, I would sell them all for a dollar. Yeah. So my pencil bag was full of quarters and $1 bills. And (laughs) I was even selling them to my teachers. I remember my, like my home class teacher, she made me save all the cherry ones for her and she'd hand me like a $10 bill. And I was like, dang, I got 10 bucks. Like, yeah, that's so cool. And I was selling so many that eventually I got called down to the Dean's office and they said, uh, you can't sell stuff. <laughs> like you can't sell candy to kids. Like you they have ruin to everything, don't they ruin everything. <laughs> and so that was like my first time really doing something in a, in a sales world and like, you know, getting a, a taste of what it's like to like, kind of be an entrepreneur. Yeah. And so that was like the first experience. And then I remember I like went door to door selling Tupperware for my grandma because she got into the whole Tupperware thing. And mm-hmm. I was like, if I sell it, can I get, will you pay me some money? And she's like, yeah. So I went to all of our neighbors' houses and they couldn't say no. I was like a little yeah. kid. Yeah. So it was a perfect strategy for her. She didn't have to do any of the work. She get to got to give me like 20 bucks or whatever. And then, you know, mowing people's lawns and all that stuff you know, when I was a kid, I did all so, that stuff. Yeah. So you were pretty, pretty much a go-getter right from the beginning. Where Do you think that that came from anything? Were you like, did you get any inspiration, motivation? You know, did you witness anyone, you know, kind of getting out there and making it happen themselves or no. was it just inside you? Yeah. It was just, I don't know. I've always been kind of like a, a talker, like, mm-hmm. you know, everyone, when I was a kid, they were like, you're either going to be a salesperson or a lawyer because the way that you can talk and persuade and all that. And I was just always pretty enthusiastic. And I don't know, after my grandparents took custody of me when I was eight years old, 
like I realized like there was something inside me where it's like, I want to do something amazing with my life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, you know, my parents are the most amazing, loving people, but they also showed me what not to do. Yeah. And my grandparents were, you know, these people where it's like they were in their late 40s, all their kids were out of the house and they decided we're going to take this eight year old kid and we're going to go through that whole experience again of raising another kid. Yeah. And they were just so encouraging. Like, you know, I'd come home one day and I said, I'm going to do this. And they're like, yeah, you are. And you're going to be the best at it in the world. And so they had all of this, this encouragement and they, they created this deep seated belief in myself that I could really do anything I put my mind to. Mm-hmm. And so I was very, very fortunate because the first eight years of my life were very, very challenging, you know, dealing with my parents being alcoholics and, and fighting and the crazy stuff that I experienced and saw it was, it was intense. And so yeah. to go into that environment with my grandparents was a completely different experience. And I think I went from like survival mode, you know, living with my parents to, oh, I can actually breathe here. You know, yeah. I feel safe here. Like I can actually like figure out what do I want to do with my life and who do I want to be rather than just trying to make sure my parents aren't fighting. So yeah, yeah, yeah it, it had a huge impact. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. So, so did you go to college, do all of that? Or did you, what, what yeah. were kind of your next steps, you know, through, through growing up? So I went to four different colleges and dropped out of four, all four of them. Yeah. And so I hated school, to be honest. I just yeah. couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand the books that we read. I couldn't stand the homework. So I was like a straight C student. Yep. I, I tried for one quarter in high school and I got straight A's. You know, I, I studied and did my homework and I got straight A's and I was just like, this is really unfulfilling. The only thing that I enjoyed about it is my grandpa gave me like $50 for every A that I got. So yeah, I got some yeah. money. I was like, that's cool. But I just, from the beginning, it was just like, I couldn't wait until I could get out of school and start working. Mm-hmm. And so one of my very first jobs is I got this job working door-to-door sales when I was 18 years old. And we used to sell these coupon books and I would get to the office at 10 o'clock and then we'd go out at noon. And then from noon until nine o'clock at night, you'd be walking around knocking on people's doors. Yeah. And I loved it the day I started. Yeah. And it was just so much fun. And that's where I really learned sales and communication and working with people. And I was only 18, but I was number three in the entire company out of 20 sales offices in sales. Wow. Wow. And I built a little team underneath me of like 15 other people and trained them. And I did that for a year. And that was like, that was a really, really cool experience. And I was trying to go to school at the time. And it was just like, I would go work. And I was like, I love working. I love hustling. I love learning. I love making money. I love this stuff. And then I'd go sit in the classroom and it'd yeah. be like, ah. And so I kept <laughs> thinking, maybe it's the school, you know? Yeah. And so, so when I, when I quit the, uh, the, the door-to-door stuff, I went and I got an internship as a financial planner. And then I got my licenses and everything. And I became a financial advisor. And I was doing that. So I switched my, my degree from, from business to finance. And then I realized that I hated finance and I hated numbers. So I left that company and then I switched my degree from finance to art. And I started going to art school. And then I finally started my first business. And I was like, school's not for me. Business yeah, yeah. is for me. And what, what, so, what was the first, what was the first company or first business that you started? Uh, so the very first business that I started, we actually launched one of the very first social media marketing agencies in the country. Oh, wow. So yeah, this was back in Denver. And this is when before businesses were even using Facebook. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I remember one of the first meetings, we went and met with these restaurant owners, these two guys, and we walk in there and we walk in in full suits, 
you know, a tie, everything. Yeah. We just probably looked so ridiculous walking into this like pizza place, you know, and these guys are wearing like shorts and flip-flops. Yeah. And we walk in there and we go over this amazing presentation, do analysis of their social media pages. And they're like, and then we tell them the pricing and we're like, so we'll, we'll do everything for you on Facebook. We'll post every day. We'll do custom photography. We'll interact with everyone. We'll do everything. They won't even know that it's not you guys. And it's 250 bucks a month. And they looked at us and they just laughed. They're like, you guys are crazy. They're like, there is not a single company that is ever going to pay you guys $250 a month to run their social media. Yeah. And we were just like, hmm, they just don't get it yet. There are no other, there were no companies in Colorado doing that at the time. Yeah. And, and so we were like, we just kept hustling. We kept hustling and we went from charging $250 a month to $1,500 a month to $2,000 a month. And we built that company over a year and a half and we sold it. And that was like my, my first real company. Mm-hmm. And that was an amazing experience to just, to see what it was like to go through that process. And, and going back to those days when you're just getting started, I think that this is something that a lot of entrepreneurs sort of struggle with is, you know, pricing and setting their pricing, right? So, you know, to me, $250, you know, obviously in, in today's world, $250, I'm thinking like, man, you know, you guys weren't being, you guys probably were losing money, you know, at yeah. that price, right? Yeah. So, so, you know, how did you, how did you go about, you know, scaling that up and, and learning to value your time and your services for, you know, a price that you were actually making money, you know, with it? Yeah. Well, our, our first goal, and I think it's a good goal for every entrepreneur to have is to just be able to cover your expenses, Mm -hmm. to be able to pay the bills. And so for me and my business partner, we both knew I need a thousand dollars a month to pay my bills. You need a thousand dollars a month to pay your bills. So we got to get to $2,000 a month. Otherwise we got to go get jobs and we got a month to do that. We've got a month to figure it out. So we got to hustle. And so in the beginning, it was like, you know, if you will be our customer, we'll take it. Yeah. You know, and that, that, but the thing is at the same time is those were all of the customers that we were practicing on. We were mm-hmm. learning how to do this. I remember my very first social media, my very first Facebook post that I did for a client, the picture was sideways. When I posted it, the picture was sideways and I was so new to Facebook that I didn't even know how to delete it. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. And it was just like, you know, we're cutting our teeth on these, these new customers. So I always look at it. Like when you start a business, your first couple of customers are practice. Mm-hmm. So they're basically paying you to practice on them. And so I say like, take what you can get, like, you know, and, and then once you actually build up expertise and you start, you know, creating some buzz and people start hearing about you and you start to really provide value and show that you're an authority in what you're doing, then you start to raise the prices. Yeah. But in yep. the beginning, it's like, you know, you can charge a lot, but if you don't get any customers, you don't have a business. And so my mindset every time I start a business is take what you can get in the beginning because they're paying you to learn, you know, they're paying you to be the, to be your guinea pig. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think when you do that, it allows you to first get a customer so you can learn a ton. You are making some money, which feels great, but you're, you're making progress. And I think it's so important for any new entrepreneur to make progress. You've got to see that you're getting somewhere. Whether the client's paying you a hundred bucks a month or a thousand dollars a month is not as important than actually having the client. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because you don't know what that client will turn into. Yep. Yep. And I think, I think that that's, you know, you, you started off with knowing what, you know, what 
not only what your what you need, but what your expenses are, right? Yeah. You know, I think that that's again where a lot of people fall down and they they just keep you know buying, 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 and not necessarily knowing you know where any of their money is going to, or you know they 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 don't necessarily understand the costs and and all of that you know with their yeah. business. So so yeah yeah key, totally. key points there. So what'd you do next? What'd you get into after the so social media market. Yeah, so we built that company and then we sold it. And then like a month later, we started another social media marketing company mm-hmm. because I was looking at it and I was like, okay, we've got this agency model and every certain amount of clients we bring on, we have to hire a certain amount of more people. Yeah, this just isn't right. that scalable. Yeah. And I was like, what if there was a way to automate posts where it's like for every restaurant, we could do one post and post it out to all of their pages and charge them $200 a month, Yeah, you know, $300 yeah. a month for automated posts that are all the same posts. And so I had this idea and then we saw there was one company that was doing it, you know, somewhere in the, in the East part, Eastern part of the United States, but it wasn't a thing. And so me and my, my business partner, we, we launched this, this other company, this second company, and we wanted this one to be scalable. We wanted this one to be the one that was big. So we did automated Facebook posts for 10 different industries, chiropractors, dentists, salon owners, gym owners, all this kind of stuff. And they could pay us 500 bucks a month and we would just post to them automatically. Yep. And so we launched that, that business and the first, the first couple months, like our sales team, they were just not getting sales. You know, it was just like 500 bucks we realized was way too much. Mm-hmm. And then we dropped our pricing down to like $97 a month. And that's when the sales started rolling in. Okay. And we realized like, you know, for automated posts, like for us, our margins are so high because we create one Facebook post. It doesn't matter if we have 10 clients or a thousand clients, they all yep. get the same post and it's all automated. Yeah. And so we realized we could be flexible on the pricing. And that's the thing. Like when you're starting a business, you have to pivot. If something's not working, you got to change it before you get too far in the hole. Yeah. yeah. And we saw that and we're like, Hey, this isn't working. We got to change our pricing. And so we changed our pricing. Then we started getting all these sales and our first six months, we got to about $15,000 a month of revenue. And then we decided we heard of this thing called Techstars. And this is back in the day when Techstars yeah. was literally yeah. harder to get into than Harvard. They had less than a 1% acceptance rate. And, you know, we're hustlers and, and, and we're watching the videos of what it's like to be in Techstars. And we're like, we got to go for it. Yeah. Like we got to get into it. And so we hustled and we're like, we found all the CEOs that went through Techstars in Denver and we reached out to all of them and said, hey, you know, we're young on entrepreneurs we'd love to get some advice from you is there any way you'd be willing to meet up for lunch we'll buy you lunch and we could just pick your brain we met with all these you know ceos one of them was the ceo of SendGrid, which is now a massive company absolutely Um, yeah and and half of them said you guys got this like you guys are for sure going to get into tech stars they're going to love you guys the other half said you guys don't stand a chance you're not a tech company yeah you're a social media marketing company you don't have any technology you don't even have a CTO. You don't even have your own proprietary system. Like there's, there's no chance it's called tech stars. Yeah. And uh, the CEO of SendGrid at the time told us that he was such a nice, super helpful guy, but he's like, you guys don't stand a chance. And we were like, you know what, we're going to push anyway. We're going to hustle. We showed up to every tech stars event. We got to know the director. You know, we, we updated her on our company every week. And, uh, and there were 1300 companies that applied and they were only going to select 11. Okay. And this was to the Boulder location where we got to work directly with David Cohen and, you know, yeah. all that. Good wow. stuff. So our odds of getting in there were basically non-existent. We weren't a tech company. And then we found out that we got into the top 50 and we were wow. like, what, how do we get yeah. into the top 50? But the top 50, 
they had to come to the Techstars office and they had to give a five minute pitch to like 10 or 50 people. This was, you know, the founders of Techstars, some early investors in Facebook, you know, VCs of these huge funds, like super intensely successful business people. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, we got to stand out. So what I decided to do, I bought this all white suit and I, I, and I had it <laughs> tailored and I walk in there wearing this all white suit and I'm like, I'm just going to go all out. And they, they're like, okay, you have five minutes, go. And there's all these points you had hit. And I was just like, boom, 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 boom. And I killed it. And at the end of my five minutes, the director, she was like, wow, I feel like that deserves an applause or a standing ovation. And I was looking <laughs> across the room and all their faces were like, well, I didn't expect that. Yeah. And so I knew that they were really impressed. Like we, we showed them that we're hustlers and, you know, yeah, we're not a tech company, but we have a plan to become a tech company, build our own software and all that stuff. And uh, then after that, we found out that we made it into tech stars and that's wow. when our changed forever. So, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very, very cool. So where did you, I I mean, would you attribute your presentation skills to the door-to-door sales that you were doing earlier on? Is that kind of, yeah. 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 yeah, That's where it all, that's where it all started, huh? And uh, oh, go ahead. No, I, I I just was going to say like any, anything that comes to mind as far as creating a good, you know, live presentation like that, any, any tips or advice if someone's looking to get up in front of somebody you know, whether that be a few people or if that's, you know, a board or whatever it is, but any, anything that comes to mind as far as, you know, creating a, you know, a, a memorable presentation. Yes. Be authentic. Mm-hmm. Be authentic. You know, it's, um, it's so interesting because we live in a, such an inauthentic world. Yeah. You know, you look at social media and it's like, everyone's life is perfect and everything's great. And it's just so inauthentic. And I think that people, People love authenticity. People love realness. We all crave that. And in the business world, there's so much inauthenticity. Everyone's trying to be perfect. They're trying to be professional. They're trying to be the CEO. They're trying to be this. They're trying to be that. And it's like when I walked in there with an all white suit in front of 10 of the most badass business people in Colorado, it was like, I'm just going to be me. Yeah. Take it or love it. You know, I'm going to be me. And, and so it was like, that authenticity helps so much. And that's what I learned when I did the door-to-door sales. It's like, don't have a pitch, just be you. If yeah. you're funny, be funny. If you're not funny, don't be funny. If you're serious, be serious. If you're happy, be happy. Be you because there's no better thing that you can be than yourself. Mm-hmm. And people can feel that authenticity. And we just, we naturally gravitate towards people who are authentic. And, you know, this has carried through my entire life when it comes to sales of just being myself. You know, I'm, I'm, pretty outgoing and ridiculous and absurd and and all these different things. And so that's why I showed up in a white suit. And then we fast forward to demo day, right? You go through Techstars for three months, meet with investors, transform your business, all that. And every day for those three months, like you're, you're figuring out your pitch demo day, you know, you stand on stage in front of a thousand people, 200 of the people in the audience are investors deciding if they're going to give your company money. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm looking at everyone's presentations. We have to practice every day. And all these CEOs, they get up there and they're super professional and they read their stats. And, you know, it's like, it's just really, really businessy. Yeah. And I was like, I got to be me me because this is not me. I can't get up there and just be some fake professional business person. It's not me. And I got one shot at this. And what I want is when I walk off that stage, I want to be proud of who I was up there. Yeah. And so at the time, Cy was a really popular Gangnam style. 
Yeah. And, and uh, I happened to look like him. I was a little bit chubbier than I am now. And uh, so I got the hair done. I went and had a suit made that was the blue jacket and everything. Yeah. And uh, social media, you know, we're social media marketing and he was, you know, huge on social media. And so we kind of tied it together. And so most CEOs, they got up there and they read their stats and all that stuff. I got up there dressed like Gangnam Style, sunglasses on and everything. And how I started my presentation is I did the Gangnam Style dance. And I do dance and everyone's cheering and screaming. And I go through this presentation. I'm like, you know, we don't just do posts for real estate agents. You know, we do it for salon owners. And then there's a picture of me dressed, you know, wearing a wig, blow drying my hair. We do it for gym owners. There's me with a fake six pack, you know, and yeah. I'm just making fun of myself the whole time being fully self-expressed. And we raised half a million dollars like that. It was wow. the easiest thing wow. I've ever done in business. And I had never raised money before yeah. because what it did, that authenticity is it's going to either repel people or attract them to you. Yeah. Yeah. The authenticity. Yep. And I know that there were investors in the audience where they were like, this guy's a joke. Like he doesn't take his business or his himself seriously. I would never give this guy money. Mm -hmm. And then their investors were like, this guy's got something. This yeah. guy's different. This guy's real. And it was so easy for us to raise money because I was just authentic. And the amazing thing is all the investors that we attracted were really cool, laid back. That's, I just was going to say that. Yeah, people. you're, you're going to have a much better connection with, with those investors too, because they are, you know, they're your people, right? Exactly. That's, yeah, makes perfect sense. Exactly. I love it. And so, so the, the, the best advice that I can give anyone, if they're going into a pitch or a presentation, be authentic be real. And, and it's going to, you're actually going to enjoy it because it's hard being fake. It takes yeah. a lot of energy being inauthentic. It's not fun, you know, and so many of us, we wear so many different masks, you know, it's like you're a different person at Starbucks, you know, with the person at the register than you are with your coworkers, than you are with your husband or wife, than you are with your best friend, your brother, your sister. It's like, we have all these different masks. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if, if you could take off the mask and just be you everywhere you go, you have so much more energy and you realize that people love you. And when it comes to authenticity, I always teach my clients something called the rule of thirds. So when you're being yourself, when you're just authentic, a third of people are going to naturally love you for who you are. Mm -hmm. Another third of people are going to naturally hate you for who you are. And the other third of people don't care who you are. Yeah, you know, and we can all relate to that. that. You know, yeah. we've all met someone where it's like, oh man, I just love them. Or, oh man, I just really don't like them. I don't know what it is. Or, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're okay. Yeah. And so it's like, the problem is that most of us are focused on the haters and the people that don't care about us and we want them to love us. Yeah. But if you focus on the third of people that love you for who you are, it's going to be so much easier to be authentic. And for the investors, it was like, we found that small sliver of investors who were like, I love who this guy is. Yeah. And that's who we focused on. That was so easy. I love that. Yeah, I love that. I love that. T talk a little bit about what you're doing today now. Is this because I, I feel like this kind of all correlates into uh, into your new project too, right? Yeah. So so we raised money from investors, and you know we built this team of 25 people. You know we're on pace to raise another two million dollars. You know in eight months, and and we're doing this. Mm -hmm. And I'm like looking at my life, and I'm, I'm like I'm 27 years old. Here I am. I've I've I'm basically where I wanted to be and uh, I'm like living the dream, mm -hmm. but the problem is, Hey, it's Matt. 
If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know that I've been involved in the multifamily real estate realm for a while. It's something that I truly, truly enjoy, and I wanted you, my listeners, to be the first to know about something new coming out. We're calling it the MultiWiser Deal Room. It's a community of individuals just like you who want to get wise about multifamily real estate investing, developing, and even owning and managing your own complexes. You'll be able to network with people from all sections of the industry, from investors looking for deals, project managers looking for investors, real estate brokers, property management agencies, contractors, remodeling experts, finance gurus, you name it, we're going to have it in the network. I've been at this for a while, and I know it takes a community to make just one of these projects happen. And the MultiWiser Deal Room is my attempt to shorten your learning curve and get you plugged into leading experts fast who can help you close your own deals. We start off with a video glossary of over 150 commonly used terms to increase your understanding and help you get moving. Also included in the community are training videos to help you be successful, like how to put together a pitch deck, build a team, and so much more. We're going to have live interactive Zoom calls where you can ask your questions and learn from people who are actually out there in the industry doing it. For more information, go to multiwiser.com. I'm completely unhappy and unfulfilled. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I looked at my life and I'm like, I should be happy. This is so frustrating. I sacrificed so much and I worked so hard to get to this point just to realize that I'm unhappy and I'm unfulfilled. And it's like, imagine you spend your entire life climbing one mountain and you go through all the bumps and the bruises and the scrapes and the scratches and you fall down and get up and you finally get to the top of the mountain and you're excited and you're about to like, you know, throw your fist in the air and celebrate. But all of a sudden you look across the valley and you realize you climbed the wrong mountain mm -hmm. and it's heartbreaking. And that's the feeling that I had. That's the experience I had. Like, ah, I built the wrong business. I hate social media marketing. I'm just good at it. I don't want to do this anymore. The last thing I want to do is raise more money from investors and be stuck in this company for the next 10 years. I can't stand waking up and going to work every day to the, my own company. So I thought I was building a palace, but I actually ended up building this prison. Yeah. And then I would yeah. go home and I'd realize, oh, the relationship that I'm in, you know, the girl that I thought I was going to marry. This is actually a toxic relationship. I can't stand it. Mm -hmm. And so I had this quarter life crisis. You know, it was like my midlife crisis when I was 27. And I realized I'm completely unhappy and unfulfilled and I hate my life. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, that rocked my world. And I started to look inward and figure out like, how did I get here? And I had this massive realization that I had gotten to this point because I spent my entire life listening to my head rather than my heart. You know, I'd mm -hmm. spent my entire life chasing money rather than happiness. And really, I'd spent my entire life chasing someone else's dream and in that moment I made this promise to myself that for the rest of my life I was going to follow my heart mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that led to me downsizing my company giving away all my stuff breaking up with my girlfriend and buying a one-way ticket to Nepal wow and wow. completely different direction <laughs> yeah. I had to go to all my investors and said sorry you gave us half a million dollars but I got to go on this soul-searching journey and find my passion and purpose in life and I'm going to move to India. And yeah. they're like, huh? But they were such cool down to earth investors. They all said, you got to do what you got to do. I support yeah. you. Yeah. Which was amazing. Incredible. Wow. You know, that's yeah. part of the authenticity, why the authenticity is so important. If I had been fake and got all these other super serious investors, they'd be like, uh, we're going to sue, we're going to sue you. Like, yeah. you know, you're yeah. not, you're not going anywhere. Right. Like it's not going to happen, but we had this, these amazing investors. And so 
So I, uh, yeah, I got on a plane to Nepal. My plan was to be gone for three months. It ended up being three years. Wow. So wow. I lived in a yoga and meditation retreat in the Himalayas for three months. I traveled through Myanmar for a month. I lived in Thailand for two years. I got to work in an elephant sanctuary. I got to live with monks. And then I went to Bali for a year. And when I was in Bali, that's when my life changed because that's when I actually launched my coaching business. Mm-hmm. And in my first uh, eight weeks of launching my coaching business, I coached a hundred people one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And that's when I had this massive epiphany that everyone in the world was fighting the same battle that I was between their head and their heart, mm-hmm. you know, or what I started calling your inner sheep and your inner lion. You know, your mm-hmm. inner sheep is that, that little voice that comes from fear and self-doubt and creates all these excuses and holds you back in life. And then your heart, your inner lion, you know, that's your soul. That's your greatest self. That comes from courage and confidence and faith. And every choice we make, you know, your sheep, your lion is trying to control it. Mm-hmm. And I realized that, you know, I'd gotten to that unfulfillment because I listened to my sheep my whole life. Now I'm listening to my lion, you know, and I go through this process and then I realize everyone needs this, you know, and so I'm doing all this coaching. And then I decided to start my personal development brand called 8 Billion Lions and uh, created my own proprietary system of coaching and all that stuff and launched my personal development brand, spoke on my first stage. And, you know, then I finally came back to the U.S. So I went through this three-year soul-searching journey where I started off completely unhappy and unfulfilled. Mm -hmm. Fast forward three years and completely happy, completely fulfilled. I found my purpose in life. I launched a business I love. I coached thousands of people. And now today I'm living this life that inspires me deeply. Like I would not trade my life for anyone else's, not the most, you know, successful entrepreneur or famous actor or athlete because I'm living my authentic life. And I have a business that I'm obsessed with. You know, I have this personal development brand that's all about helping people find their purpose and live like lions. Yeah. And so that's what I'm focused on now. The next phase of my business is I'm stepping out of coaching and I'm stepping into speaking because my true passion is to be on stage and inspire people. Mm-hmm. And so that's the phase that I'm in right now with my business. So and, and what types of you know things would you say that you excel at helping people? you know, bring out in themselves, obviously, like, you know, you, you're teaching them how to follow their heart, but how do they know, maybe there's some people that think that they're happy with what, what it is that they're doing, but, you know, there's this whole other thing that, you know, they might have never even experienced before, totally. right? Like, how do they, how do they know that they're unhappy if maybe they've never experienced what, you know, true happiness actually is, right? Yeah, totally. It all comes down to purpose. You know, how, how, how much are you living with purpose? How fulfilled are you? You know, because a lot of people are living a life where like, I have a good life. I have a house. I have kids. I have a wife that I love. You know, I have the car. Like, you know, I'm living a good life. But are they deeply passionate? Do they wake up inspired by the life they're living? Do they have fire in their soul? And that's the first thing that I look for. And most people don't because most people have no idea what their purpose is on this planet. You know, the definition of purpose is why something exists. And what I learned is, you know, I had the outward success, but I didn't have any inward purpose. I didn't know why I existed. And when I found that, you know, when I went on the soul searching journey, it transformed me as a person. Now I have this massive vision. My, my company's name is 8 billion lions because my vision is to live in a world where everyone is being a lion, all 8 billion of us, Mm -hmm. you know, and to change the status quo from the highest form of success is you being the the person you were born to be and living into your purpose. Mm -hmm. And so what I look at is you know, you got to, the first step is you got to figure out who you are because there's a person that you were born to be, but then there's also the person you were trained to be. Yeah. And we live in this world where most of us were trained to be something that we're not. 
And this is the first thing that I step into. We get really clear on who's your lion versus who's your sheep. And, you know, we do that and it is really, really powerful for people because in that moment, they remember who they are and they, they can look back to when they were a kid and they can be like, that's how I was when I was a kid. Or they can look back to every moment in their life when they were fulfilled and they're like, that's who I was. You know, it's like my inner lion is confident, courageous, bold, and fun. Okay. I look back to when I walked into Techstars in a white suit, confident, courageous, bold, and fun. Yeah. When I stood on stage at Gignam Cell, confident, courageous, bold, and fun. When I gave all my stuff and moved to a third world country, confident, courageous, bold, and fun. And so it's like, I forgot who that person was. And mm-hmm. instead I was being my sheep, weak, small, insecure, scared. Yeah. And so yeah. many of us, we, we, we've been trained to listen to our head more than our hearts. So we've disconnected from our soul, from our intuition. And that's why so many people in this world are unfulfilled. Like I just read yesterday that 71% of millennials are unfulfilled in their job. That's mm-hmm. like, man, that's great. That's 50 million people. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because they don't know what their purpose is. They don't know why they exist. And I know how much, how hard that is because that's where I was. And when I found my purpose, everything changed dramatically. You know, now I have this magnificent obsession that I'm so lit up about where it's like, oh, it's just amazing. And I want yeah. that for everyone. You can, and you can see, like, you, you can feel it and see it, in, you know, in your mm-hmm. voice and, and, you know, your mannerisms and that you can tell that you're, you're deeply passionate about. Do you, do you have any, I guess, tips or advice on how to start uncovering? And I'm, I'm assuming that this is, you know, a, a process that takes a little while to, to, you know, fully be able to develop, you know, what you were, you know, meant to do, but are there any exercises that you can think of off the top of your head to, yeah. to sort of relay, you know, how to start walking down that path? Totally. So it took me three years to, to figure all that out. I've actually condensed it into a seven day program for my clients. So they okay. don't have to go on a three year soul searching journey and go through yeah. all the stuff that I went through, because right. once you've actually done it you can look back and be like what are the steps I took to get there and you can condense time for people so I got it I got it down to where I could do it seven days with people and they could walk out knowing their purpose on this planet which is exciting yeah but the first thing that I always start with that I would recommend all your listeners to do is start with your vision for the world Mm -hmm. what's the problem you want to solve in the world you know what most people do is they do it backwards and they think what do I like to do what am I good at what do people need? What can, what will people pay for? You know, it's like ikigai. ikigai. Yeah. And it's like, what I've learned is that's not the best way to do it because what you like to do might change. You know, that's mm-hmm. changed a hundred times, but the problem you want to solve in the world, the difference you want to make in the world, what I've learned is that never changes because that's in your heart and soul. That is deep down inside. So what you actually start with is what is your vision for the world? To live mm-hmm. in a world where blank. And this is where I have my clients really get clear on if you could solve one problem, if a genie came down and said, I will solve one problem for humanity, what would you like it to be? That's Mm -hmm. what you start with. You start with the problem you want to solve for the world. You know, for me, it's wasted potential. Yeah. Seeing humanity, we're full of potential. We're wasting it. Seeing a human being is full of potential and not living into it. Like it breaks my heart. The reason why that's so important to me is because when I grew up, I had these sure. amazing parents who were full of potential and they wasted it with alcohol. Yeah. You know, and so I have this deep, deep passion for helping people live into their potential. So if I could solve one problem in the world, it would be wasted potential. And so my vision for the world is to live in a world where everyone is living into their potential 
all 8 billion of us. Hence why the name of my company is called 8 billion lions, because when you're mm -hmm. living like a lion, you're living into your potential. And that's why I have all these coaching products and all these, you know, courses and all this stuff that's designed to do one thing, help you live into your potential. I love that. So when you find that, when you get clear on the problem you want to solve for the world, let that decide what kind of business you start, what kind mm -hmm. of company you work for, what kind of people you hang out with, because your vision, once you're clear on that, your vision makes all your decisions for you. It decides your lifestyle. It decides your friends. It decides what books you read, what shows you watch. It decides everything. And the thing is, what's amazing about that, that is that comes from your heart and soul and mm -hmm. it's never going to change. You know, that's your purpose. That's why you exist. You exist to solve that problem in the unique way that you were meant to solve it. And then when you look back on your life, everything makes sense. My childhood growing up with alcoholic parents makes perfect sense because if they were great, amazing parents, I would see people living into their potential and I wouldn't care about anyone living into yeah. their potential. Yeah. You know? So I, I went through that pain and that suffering, but that pain led me to my purpose. And so your life makes sense when you get really clear on that. So it's, it's really easy. Ask yourself if I could solve one problem in the world for humanity, what would it be? And that is going to be the breadcrumb that's going to get you to the next, the next level and the next level and the next mm -hmm. level. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I have to say too, I, I love, so, so I, I try to do the exact same thing, but I love how you've taken what a lot of people would hang their hat on as, you know, a negative and woe is me. Look at what I had, you know, look at what I've had to endure. And you've turned that into a positive, like you've, you've turned that into one of your strengths and the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. So, so kudos to you for, for, you know, taking that path. I, I absolutely love that, that, you know, you, that. you look that uh, in that direction. So yeah. would you say that you would, a person that would be perfect for you would be someone who's thinking about going out and doing their own thing, you know, whether that, you know, be starting a company or, or, you know, joining some type of a an organization or somehow giving back or, 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 you know, again, spawning something, right. Would you say that yeah. that would be a good time for them to, to come in and, and, you know, go through your program to be able to make sure that they are aligned with, you know, whatever they truly feel like they should be doing and not just going off and doing something because it's in front of them or it was a thought or whatever. Yes. A hundred percent. There's, there's, there's two kinds of people that I I love working with them that I can help the most. The people who are right on the edge of a big change. Yeah. I'm going to start my own business or I'm going to move to a different country. I'm going to do this, do that. Because you got to make sure you're making that choice from the right place. Yeah. That business that you're starting coming from your head or your heart. If it's coming from your head, at some point, you're going to lose momentum because you're not going to be passionate about it. If it's coming from your heart, you'll never walk away from it. Yeah. And so if it's a business or if it's a relationship or something like that, and so you got to get really clear, where is this decision coming from? Is it my ego, my soul, my sheep, my lion, my lower self, my higher self, whatever you want to call it, because that's a decision that you have to live with the rest of your life. Like, I wish I could have talked to myself when I was 27, you know, and I sold that company and I had money in the bank and said, hey, Chris, this next business that you start, do you want to make a lot of money or do you want to be happy? Yeah. Yeah. But no one said anything like that. I was just like, I want to make money so I could, you know, sell my company for a hundred million dollars and become a venture capitalist. And it's like, I have no interest in any of that. Yeah. That's just what I thought was sexy. You know, that's like the cool thing to do, you know? And so anyone who's on the verge of making a big decision, like it, it's so powerful. So you have clarity because that's a decision you're going to live with forever. And then the other people that I really, really can help the most and that I love working with are unfulfilled millennials. 
you know, it's like they, they might have a great life and, you know, they wake up every day and they do their thing, but they're also asking themselves, isn't there more to life than this? Like, mm -hmm. shouldn't I be happier? Like I've got all the stuff, I've got all the things, but I've got this emptiness inside. There's something missing. They know deep down inside, there is something missing. And there's this unfulfillment that they're dealing with. Yeah. And those are the people that I really am passionate about helping because I've been there and I know what they're missing and it's purpose. Anyone mm -hmm. who feels unfulfilled or feels this emptiness inside, it's only because they're not clear on their purpose. Because once you find your purpose, once you get clear on why you exist in this world and what you want to create, the fulfillment is there. Yeah. You know, like I want to build the largest personal development brand in the entire world and lead a revolution that changes the world. I'm not there yet, but mm -hmm. I'm fulfilled every day because I'm moving towards it. And that's the amazing thing. When, when you get clear on your purpose, you don't have to achieve your purpose to be fulfilled. You know, a purpose is different than a goal. A goal, you're not going to be fulfilled until you actually achieve it. Right, right. So you spend 99% of your time trying to achieve this goal for the 1% fulfillment that you're going to feel at the very end if you actually achieve your goal. And so it's kind of a miserable process a lot of the time because yeah, you're going sure. you're suffering and you're struggling versus a purpose. It's like, I have this purpose that I might never live into because it's huge. It's massive. Lead a revolution that changes the world. Come on. But every single day I'm taking one step closer, one step closer. So I feel this massive level of fulfillment and it's one of the best feelings to feel like nothing is missing. Yeah. And so anyone, you know, who's really struggling with, with that emptiness or that unfulfillment or feeling unsatisfied, those are the pe people that I can really help the most. Because when you find your purpose, fulfillment is just a way of being. You wake up fulfilled and it's such a beautiful it. experience. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Chris, this is fantastic. If, if people want to learn more about you or your programs, what would be the best way to reach out and get in touch? They can go to 8billionlions.com. So the number eight and then billion with a B, lions with an S, 8billionlions.com. And they connect with me on there. They can look at different courses, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, that's, that's uh, probably the best way to do it. I love it, Chris. This is fantastic. Kudos to you with, with all the success and you know, keep, keep changing, keep changing this all into lions. That'll be, that'll be fantastic. I love, it. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And remember, pass the secret sauce.